Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series here on our radio shows and podcasts. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and we have a really fantastic show today on one of my favorite subjects with a new favorite guest, Stan Newman. Ready to muscle up your brain power? Dive into many techniques of mental calisthenics in an enjoyable, interactive program led by Stan Newman, the crossword editor for Newsday magazine, and put them to practical use with numerous real-life examples? Well, you come to the right place. We have Stan Newman today here on the program, and this interview will be great. Stan Newman will lead us through what he refers to as lateral thinking exercises, actual exercises that can help you get past mental roadblocks to find solutions to everyday challenges. Here's a sample puzzle that we will answer during our interview today. A truck driver is going south on a northbound one-way street. A police officer sees the driver doing this but makes no attempt to stop her. What's the answer? <laughs> Stan Newman and I discuss that answer. And we talk about the subject of creativity builders, which can lead your brain to places it's never gone before by asking yourself the right questions. Here's one to ponder. If you could invent something that would make your life easier or more fun, what would it be? Again, we'll talk about that on our interview today. Stan Newman also tells us about rounds of enhanced 20 questions. It's not just animal, vegetable, or mineral anymore. And Stan Newman will challenge our audience today to learn to make optimal use of all of your resources besides spending it. How many different uses can you think of for a dime? Yep, we'll talk about that too. Finally, among many other things, Stan Newman will reveal today why you should watch Jeopardy with your finger on the remote's pause button. Yep, we got it today. So please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on our radio shows and podcasts, game creator, editor, and Newsday's crossword puzzle creator, Stan Newman. Stanley Newman, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. Good to talk to you today. Um, we're going to talk about games. And so, uh, you know, if we could see one another right now, you would see a big smile on my face because I, I, <laughs> I like games. I find that they're, they're just enjoyable. Often it's a time for me to um, even relax a little bit. And you've got an upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation that I, I think is really exciting. Why don't you tell us briefly, let's start here. Tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. It is called Brain Training for Everyone. Though I am a crossword professional and do speak professionally now and then in different places about crosswords and how to do them better and their benefits, there's almost no mention of crosswords in the talk. And perhaps I should give you the genesis of this. I'm not a psychological researcher. I'm a puzzle guy with degrees in math and statistics. And how I got into the puzzle world is another podcast altogether. But let me tell you with how this uh, course came to be. Uh, I've talked for many years about crosswords. I, my main gig these days and for 33 years has been as crossword editor for the Long Island newspaper Newsday, although the crosswords are widely available in syndicates and for free at, the, at a website called Arcadium.com. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, there was a time when I spoke without hesitation about all the benefits of doing crosswords, how many, many studies by very esteemed researchers 
uh, many studies have been done, which supposedly indicated that games of the mind, crosswords being one, learning a, a foreign language, uh, playing bridge, even playing mahjong or playing poker, uh, just using your mind actively can ward off diseases of the mind. And uh, I was fine with that until a few years ago, an article appeared in the Washington Post, the gist of which being, doing crossword puzzles regularly help you do, to do only one thing, and that's doing crossword puzzles. You hmm. might imagine that was a somewhat alarming to me. And so uh, is that true? Well, of course, how do they prove that? Well, but still, uh, if that, some people believe that, I ask myself the question, gee, what kind of class can I create based on what I know that has nothing to do with crosswords that can show immediate mental benefits? And that's how brain training for everyone came to be. Mm -hmm. So let me explain in a little more detail what that is. Mm -hmm. People don't exercise their mind, I think, unless they know, unless they really make an effort to, the same way that they would make an effort to exercise regularly. And I'll give a brief background about that. Exercise, the word exercise is related to the word exertion. Not surprisingly, they, they sound very similar. Everyone knows what physical exercise is. Some might ride a bicycle, some might jog, some might go on a treadmill, some might lift weights. Some might just walk around the block with their dog. I mean, all of that is exercise of one or one thing or another. But exercise sort of implies it in, in its original meaning exertion. And so if you're doing weight training regularly by yourself or with a trainer, the trainer will make sure that you are doing various exercises to the current weight that you are able to, and then slowly increase that weight as your strength improves. I hope that makes sense. Paul, you with me so far? <laughs> I am absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this, and yeah, I'm 100% here. This came from a newspaper from a few years ago. I love reading about situations where people do find their own solutions by asking themselves questions. Here it is in a nutshell. Uh, in, in my general neighborhood here of South Florida, there was a hurricane a few years ago that knocked power out. That happens more frequently, supposedly, in in Florida than in New York. And there was this fellow who lived in Michigan whose grandma lived in the power-affected area. And he tried to phone her, and the phones were out. So what did he do next? He wanted to be sure his mom was all right. So he called the fire department, the police department, and they were too busy doing other other more, more significant things to send somebody to, to grandma's apartment. So he had to have been in a what-do-I-do-now moment, or the police won't come, the firemen won't come, although it didn't say so in the article. He would have had to have asked himself, who can I call to, make sh to call on my grandma to make sure that she's okay? And he came up with a brilliant answer, and I, you know, we could spend the next half an hour making a game out of it, but then that's part of what I do in, in my Smithsonian classes. They have to ask me questions and figure that out. But what he figured out was the police wouldn't come, the fire department wouldn't come. What about Domino's Pizza? And that's exactly what he did. He explained the situation to the order taker, 
He ordered grandma pizza. Grandma heard the knock on the door. Who is it? Domino's Pizza. And she answers uh, quite annoyingly, I didn't order a pizza. Get the heck out of here. And then, however, he said the magic words to grandma. He had been properly, properly coached. Uh, your grandson, Scott, ordered this pizza so I could come see you to make sure you're all right. At which point the door opened. He handed grandma the cell phone. She called her grandson. End of story. Perfect, right? And that's one little example. There are many, many others. And I teach ways of straining your brain, perhaps gently, perhaps a little more than gently in this class that's coming up next month. And I get a charge out of it because I'm leaving people at the end of the talk with things they can put to work immediately to uh, find their way out of mental predicaments. Or recreationally, there are ways to do that as well where there are no mental predicaments involved, which can be a segue to another favorite topic of mine, getting the most out of watching Jeopardy. Now, it's not necessary for you to like Jeopardy. I mean, if you don't like Jeopardy, I'm not saying you should dislike trivia, uh, everything from opera to current music and in between. I mean, if you, but if you're watching Jeopardy now regularly, you can get the most out of it by using liberally the pause button for several reasons. One, there's really no extra point. Up. Yeah, you're your remote. So to stop, the video right when a question is shown, or even better in terms of the challenge, Final Jeopardy. Uh, you, there are no extra points, I believe, at least in my experience, in being able to answer a question quickly. It is being able to answer it at all, if you follow me. And so Jeopardy questions are very cleverly worded, giving you information very often of giving you two hints within them and extra hints to, that tell you more than they need to, to make the answer easy or perhaps slightly more difficult. And uh, I don't want to give you examples now because in, a, in an audio, it's not going to be all that availing. But knowing, for example, that a certain book was written in a certain year, let's say the year mentioned was 1896, that might make Mark Twain a possibility as the writer, but not Anne Rice, if you see what I mean. Right and uh, additional information in the final Jeopardy, for example, there's almost always two and sometimes three little tidbits of hints that are not screaming the answer at you. It does require general knowledge and perhaps certain specific knowledge to answer, but still, uh, what I'll be talking about in on the 24th of March is how to get the most of the hints added to what you know and how to extract answers on, in your own mind. And there is clearly mental exertion going on there, right? Uh, if you see what I mean. Any questions so far, Clark? <laughs> this, is, this is great stuff. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of Jeopardy here and love um, Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings, and we miss Alex Trebek, but the, the questions are key. I, I know exactly what you're referring to because often there are some clues. seems like the time, though, and the pressure of the timing, not necessarily to have to answer to get those uh, non-existent uh, additional points, but but nonetheless, the pressure to answer stops us from being able to kind of thoroughly analyze the question and note those clues. I know because as I as we're sitting on the couch, 
it looks so obvious to me, but I know under the pressure of the moment that the contestants aren't they're probably not they're probably not thinking about it as clearly as I might because I'm removed from it all. But this this idea that we might have a little bit of a a pressure sensitivity, you know, the idea of mental roadblocks, the idea of of kind of memory losses. How does brain training help us overcome some of that? Well, I can't speak to memory loss per se, although I am slightly mm-hmm. older than you, still in the same decade as you. Uh, while mm-hmm. occasionally, you know, I put my keys down and don't remember where they are and I've got to go searching for them or right, scissor. Right. Or, you know, if that happens to everybody. I don't ascribe that to memory loss. I would like to credit what I do for a living, which is editing crosswords every day, where I've got to think about the yeah. meanings of words and clever. And, you know, of course, I have to check facts and try to let my mind wander to come up with clever turns of phrase. All of that is highly specific to what I do for a living. But there's so many opportunities for someone just living their daily life and interacting with other people that can keep mm-hmm. their brain exercised. Just having a conversation with someone. One of the things I love mm-hmm. to do is to draw, make people draw people into a conversation and then listening carefully to what they say. Here's an aside coming. How, how frequently do people actually listen to what the other person in the conversation is saying? It's a little less than 100%, I believe. I have no scientific figures to back that up. But still, if you listen carefully to what someone is saying as they're saying it and letting your mind focus on that and maybe wander slightly, it's quite possible you will have something interesting or clever to say that will show that you have listened or you want to it will a question that you want to ask occurs to you. One of the things I never do when somebody says, good morning, how are you? 98%, again, the guess of the world says in, in their own language, fine, how are you? I mean, uh, yeah, okay, but no, I always say something a little different, even if it's a little different <laughs> as splendid, and I hope you are the same. And even, But even that, uh-huh. because it's different, they cannot answer reflectively, if you see what I've reflect. <laughs> and so it forces them, and I do some, I do uh, sometimes do that for humorous purposes. If somebody, yes, something someone yes. says makes me think of a joke, well, I, uh, like for example, you know, if uh, you had an enjoyable conversation at the end of the evening, I mean, I, my, head, my head holds all kinds of things. And as long as you know that your host can take it, you say on the way out, as Groucho Marx once said, I've had a wonderful evening, but this wasn't it. (laughs) And uh, I love getting laughs out of people. I don't tell why the Uh chicken crosses the road. I mean, I have a lifetime of Uh stuff in my head, and just a certain word or a certain phrase will trigger it in my mind. And you don't have to be a lifelong collector of facts and words like I am to to play that game. But laughter itself is... Uh, you know, laughter is the best medicine. And, you know, we, we hear these homilies, but there's some truth in that. And so I think that just the the kind of the mental gymnastics that we go through in order to distinguish, you know, what might be an unusual question, like me asking you and then you saying splendid, just triggering that and the little laughter that comes about that you're suggesting is sometimes enough to offer a little bit of a boost or a little bit of exercise that is 
that falls into this category of brain training. Absolutely. My dear friend, Will Shorts, the crossword editor of the New York Times. Yes, he's mm-hmm. a dear friend. Mm-hmm. I know him personally. I hope that impresses you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, uh, as long as I've known him, when I call him up on the phone, he will ask me before the conversation begins, and I quote, what you doing? And so I tell him, I mean, I've just edited the puzzle. I got to ask you something or something's come up. I want to share with you or, or whatever it happens to be. And so, yeah, when somebody asks me, I, uh, I for sure tell them exactly what I'm doing. And I try to uh, uh, put a little humor in. Yes, I'm editing crosswords, pushing papers around and saving saving uh, my word processor files. And uh, but that's what I do. And, you know, you can take it in any any number of directions based on what somebody says back. And uh, I'm really good at digressions, and this is not the time or the place to do much of that with you, Paul. But nevertheless, uh, it's a great joy for for me to come up with things that yeah make make my partner in conversation think or laugh. Yeah, laugh is even better, and I've gotten you to laugh a couple of times. So my day's already made, mm-hmm. no matter what else happens. Genuine laughs too, not just like little chuckles, but but you know, just and the Groucho Marx thing. I you know, that's classic for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> A man, this was a man who was not well-educated. His mom took him out of school in the fifth grade. He toured Wardwell with his brothers, and he made it a point to read the great authors of, of, of literature of the world, and he always regretted not getting the education. And if you, if you ever can listen to his interviews with Johnny Carson or Dick Cavett or people like that, you will be quite surprised with the erudition of Julius Henry Marx, and I'm showing off his real name. The only Marx brother with a middle name, uh-huh. by the way. There's a digression. I can't help myself sometimes. It's just a <laughs> That's good. That's good. Where we're with Stan Newman. Stan Newman is an American puzzle creator and an editor and a publisher. We'll be at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here um, Tuesday, or excuse me, Thursday. Let me start that again. Thursday, March 24th. And uh, we'll have links up to where you can find out more information about Stan Newman's presentation at Smithsonian Associates, as well as information about Stan Newman, his work at Newsday. Um, I have to tell you, Stan Newman, I I am a puzzle player at Arcadium and um, and, oh. and at the Times. The boss will want, will want to know that. Yep, okay. yep absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And I th- I think it's it's fascinating to me about you that you're you're really you're a math guy and you come from a, a, a highly educated background in in mathematics and so these solutions are are some of them kind of math based to the kind of the brain training that we- ah mm-hmm. not well let me tell you do I use my math training per se I never really liked theoretical math. I got a master's degree in statistics, hoping to make a career out of something non-theoretical. And to my, I wouldn't call it horror, but to my distress, uh, nearly all the classes I had to take were theoretical, and I was glad to get my degree and then move on to the rest of my life. Uh, do I, I mean, I can add numbers in my head. I mean, big deal, right? Any, with calculator, that's not that big a skill. But there's something analytical and uh, creative and analytical at the same time with solving real-life puzzles. And uh, here's, here's one I haven't uh, talked about. I'll spend a moment or two with this. There are puzzles that test and promote your ability to think laterally. We've already talked about sequential thinking. What do you do first when you get dressed? What do you do first when you uh, leave the house to go to work? And, you know, and so forth. But, but, but in these, this uh, what-do-I-do-now moment that you might uh, find happening to you 
that won't work. And you just have to make use of your brain in a new way. And lateral thinking puzzles are designed to, 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 to really tr not train your brain, maybe sprain your brain gently, I suppose. And let me give you a very quick example. And uh, it's going to be stated in just a sentence or two. And here, here, here it is. A cowboy rides into town on Friday, stays three days, and then leaves town on a Friday. How is that possible? Well, while you're, you and your audience are muddling through that, let me tell you that lateral thinking puzzles are deliberately worded in a devious way, not unlike devious crosswords, I have to tell you, which is why I get joy out of dealing with it. And what you must do is a, abandon any preconceived notions about the sentence, the way it's presented, as well as anything you're taking for granted. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to torture you. Just let me give you the answer. The key to solving that sentence, that, those sentences, which I will repeat now, a cowboy mm -hmm. rides into town on Friday. Stays three days okay. and leaves town on Friday. How is that possible? <laughs> it is possible. Can I answer? Oh, you got the answer. Can I answer? Good for you. Go well, ahead. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. But it's in. It's again in this kind of this analysis of of your wording and the clues that you offer. And when you say he's riding in town on Friday, immediately I think, well, he's the horse's name has got to be. He's riding that into. Is the answer? Congratulations. <laughs> I love but you games. would be surprised how many people suffer over that uh -huh, and yeah. simply can't get beyond the fact that three days after Friday, was Saturday, it's Monday, right? How <laughs> yeah. can that be? And, yeah. and, and, and here's another one. I'm on a quick one just like that. A truck driver is going north on a southbound street in a city. A police officer watches her. I purposely get that in, not him, right? There are female mm -hmm. truck drivers too, of course. Mm -hmm. a, a policeman watches her do that, but makes no attempt to stop her. Why not? And once again, you, you, it's what you take for granted that would keep you from figuring out what the answer must be. Because on the face of it, it makes no sense at all. Of course, mm -hmm. the policeman would stop a truck driver going the wrong, wrong way on a one-way street. Well... Again, I'm not going to torture you or your audience now, but you're getting mm -hmm. a. I hope we're going to get a few people. Hey, let's let's listen to this crackpot for an hour and a half in March. <laughs> well, that's the purpose of this talk. And so, the policeman doesn't stop the truck driver, the truck driver going the wrong way down a one-way street because you got the answer yet. I, I don't want to torture you because mm -hmm. the truck Boy. driver is walking down the street. Uh -huh. I didn't say driving. You see what I mean? And so. There are many yes, wonderful yes. puzzles out there, some of which I will be foisting upon my uh, my <laughs> class with. But uh, that's just one little segment of of that. Uh, I will be dealing in twenty questions. That is a wonderful card game. That C A R no D card game to pass the time very well. It's one of my favorite games. Where when you're on a long trip, which I've been with many people, including my dear friend Will Shorts. We've taken many international trips with long rides from the airport, and we simply uh, amuse ourselves by posing. All right, I'm thinking of a famous person that is that is still living, and you have to answer questions that can be answered by yes or no, as many as you like. And I will uh, detail the specific rules that I like best with the, with the class, and it really must get you 
to think. Use your brain. You don't. You have to use. You have to decide where we even begin. Where you know nothing about this person, and, and the way to do it, of course, is to figure out what it's not. You know, if if is, is, is this person male? Yes. Is this person born in the 20th century? Yes. Is this person a politician? Is this person an actor? And you know, and so forth. And right. by maybe you'll get yeses, and of course that will narrow it down. But by eliminating what it's not, that gives you a lot of information as well. And I would recommend to my class and will that they watch the old episodes of the game show. What's my line? Most oh, episodes. Of which, Marks. <laughs> well, Groucho Marx was a panelist there. I've become an expert. I start not every issue. Not every uh, episode is available. and Some were lost, but the very first one in 1950 and goes into 1967, I believe. Huh. And, uh, Although some of the people are unknown to me, still the process by which the celebrities know exactly how to ask these questions to figure out this guy sells jelly beans. How <laughs> on earth do you get that? Well, by eliminating just is this something that's edible. Is it, is, is it a snack? Is it one meal or another? You don't have to know what it is to eliminate stuff. And uh, so really when uh, What's My Mind was created in 1950, all it was was a, a game a game spin on 20 questions. And so I, I like that very much. And well, I'm, I don't know if we're out of time yet, because I've got a lot more to share, but uh, well, I, I hope I, I've given a good taste of uh, what you're going to get from me in, on March 24th. Yeah, no, this is, this is really great. I, I do have a couple of other questions. If, if you have some time, I'd just like to I have all the you. time you like. Okay, good. Stan Newman. I, so you know, you mentioned this. I, I thought this was brilliant on the part of this uh, uh, person who called Domino's Pizza, because to me, that's that's an example of what you seem to be referring to. In, in my research of you, I found this term that you use called creativity builders. Is that oh, yeah. is that kind of what you're referring to there? This this opportunity to use something that's a little bit uh, not not the norm, but still to accomplish. Uh, what you need and do that in a way that really can stimulate the brain because you're kind of thinking as, as we always like to say outside of the box, is that kind of what a yes. creativity builder is? Creativity. Yes. It, it's to me, it's not, it's a pretty close relative to what do I do now moments. Mm -hmm. uh, one example I like to give that I've read, I read extensively nonfiction being in the business I'm in. I don't, I might get my fiction from TV shows, right? I have to read biographies and histories, uh, pop history and pop biographies. My last two, uh, well, you know, I've read recently uh, what a, uh, biographies of Louis Armstrong and Ira Gershwin and mm -hmm. David Sarnoff, and I'm currently reading Barack Obama. So, uh, mm -hmm. so there we are about that. So creativity, most of the people in creative professions, for example, authors, composers, puzzle editors, puzzle authors, and so forth, how do they get their ideas? Anyone in a creative business has to get asked that. And I've heard answers, and they almost always boil down to just in living my life and doing what I do, reading, watching, listening, things will occur to me because of the profession I'm in, and it'll give me an idea for a painting or a song, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so I don't go anywhere without a piece of paper and something to write on because when I get ideas, they'll pop out of my head as quickly as they, they pop in. And, uh, I, uh, and so the thing about creativity is anyone can be creative. The question is, are you living your life in such a way that you have an opportunity to do it? And so I will ask things like in the class, 
can you think of 10 different things you can do with a dime besides spending it? Mm-hmm. And, and an easy one that some people may have experienced or heard about is using it as a, as a substitute screwdriver when you don't have a screwdriver handy. And there are other things you can do too. And uh, you know, one other that you might be aware of is uh, if you uh, on a golf course, you're playing a round of golf, you can use a, a dime as a ball marker, right? And mm-hmm. just think about any use for a small metallic disc and uh, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I don't know if I'm at the risk of spending more time than you have. I want to tell you briefly about one of my favorite creative questions. How can you determine the height of a building using a barometer? There is a scientific answer that I'm not totally familiar with. It has to do, do with using the barometer to measure the barometric pressure at ground level, climbing to the top of the building, measuring that, and measuring it there as well, and doing some calculation. But how about something that has nothing to do with the way the science exam might want you to answer it? It could be thing something clever like throwing it off the the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the top of the building, counting right. how many seconds <laughs> yeah. with a chronometer, and using that formula. Or uh-huh. my favorite by far, and if this doesn't make you laugh, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> Knock on the door of the building manager with your barometer. Good morning, <laughs> Mr. Building Manager. I would be delighted to give you this wonderful barometer if you could please tell me how tall your building is. <laughs> And uh, yeah, would your perfect. teacher mark it correctly? Well, I, I would think the teacher should. It's unlikely. But there are any number of ways to solve everyday situations. Uh, sometimes it could be as simple as a YouTube video. Uh, I discovered by accident quite a few years ago that you can learn how to do almost anything that you don't know how to do with the right YouTube. And at least as far as I'm concerned, seeing something done is much easier to learn than reading a manual. Uh, I would be embarrassed to tell you I really needed that to uh, use a basic screw, uh, basic uh, jar opener where I just couldn't figure out where you're supposed to place the item and what you were supposed to twist. And there it was on YouTube. I just had to put in the brand name and what it was, and I had my choice of videos. And so you don't need to be in the dark. You don't need a helpline. If you have the sum total of the world's knowledge now available to you in a in the size of a, of a tiny memo book, right? And so uh, you need to take more advantage of that. You don't need to leave yourself hanging. Just answering the questions that occur to you, don't let them go, follow them through. Uh, I hope everybody that attends the Smithsonian event will be um, intellectually curious and they need to pursue that. And uh, just not knowing where you're going to end up, knowing, uh, learning stuff that you weren't already aware of a certain person, would might really uh, make your day and things you'd want to share with somebody, like somebody might share their, their, their favorite joke. Would you like to hear my favorite joke? I'd love to hear your favorite joke. Would you like to hear, in fact, what is the world's fastest joke? Yes. Would you like to hear it again? <laughs> so there we oh, are. I mean, Stan uh, Dooman, this, this is wonderful. This is great stuff. I, uh, I've so enjoyed talking to you, and your upcoming Smithsonian presentation is going to be wonderful. More of this, plus lots of great examples of brain training and um, lots of creativity builders, I suspect. Stan Newman's been our guest today. Stan is a puzzle creator and editor. He's also 
uh, a trivia buff and co-author of the Trivia Encyclopedia, 15,003 Answers. Stan Newman's going to be at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up here on Thursday, March 24th. We will put links up to where our audience can find out more information about the presentation and Stan Newman. But what a what a riot. This is this has been wonderful. So good a to riot. talk to you, Stan. Wow, Newman. I'm not often called back. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yes, all things. You are all things. And uh I just have had a great time. I, you know, I I, I like to, um, as I said, I like to play games, but I, I would love to talk to you more. And so maybe you'll come back and join us at some at some point in the future. And tell well, us more. you know, uh, do you do you does your podcast ever tell you this? You know, in the podcast world, and I must admit, I'm pretty ignorant about them. It's nothing like call-in radio. It's basically two or three people talking amongst each mm-hmm. other, right? I mean, yes. And so, but still, yeah. I mean, uh, if you find me in the least bit entertaining, we could go off on the any number of tangents or play some games and for the entertainment of your listeners. If you're right, I'd be delighted to do that. That'd be good. That'd be good. Well, Stan Newman, thank you for your time today. I'll follow up and um, we'll have you back, but have a great rest of your day. And uh, remember audience, check out Stan Newman coming up at Smithsonian Associates presentation. Thank you so much, Stan Newman. My thanks to Stan Newman for his generous time today. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show our radio shows, and our podcasts. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be well, be safe, and remember, let's talk about better, the Not Old Better Show. Check out our website for details about our radio shows and all our other free resources and recordings, notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.